Welcome back to the Sports Card Grinder Show here at RotoGrinders.com. I'm Dean. I'll be your host. Uh, usual rules apply. I am not a sports card expert. I'm just here to uh, delegate and ask questions amongst our experts here. Batting first, leading off, it's going to be Brennan Ruby. Brennan, welcome back. What's going on? Hey, hey, doing good. Glad to be back. Uh, tell us about the the article you're working on or your most recent article you put out for the people here at RotoGrinders. Sure. Yeah, the most recent article I put out was uh, another Another iteration of the market cap analysis, which I think we'll probably talk about a little bit later. However, um, I came, I went into writing the article a little bit worried. I came out feeling a lot better about uh, modern day card prices. So, um, you know, if you have time, read it. I think there's a lot of data in there, but a lot of good data that'll, uh, I think, make you sleep a little bit easier about your easier about your Luka Doncic, uh, your your stash. Yeah, you did a market cap analysis of LeBron versus Luka. We'll talk about that right. later in the show. Yep. We're going to dig into breakers in a second as well, too. We're going to talk about general topics. Uh, uh, just NFL cards is now a good time to buy NFL cards with the season right around the corner, about three months or so. Uh, we talked last week about Tops Project 2020. We're going to talk about the recent developments with that series as well. Uh, let's bring in next up batting second uh, from Sports Card Investor, SCI. It's Jeff Wilson. Welcome back, Jeff. Hey, Dean. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, tell the people about the, the 20% off first payment here at SCI with Roto-Grinders. Tell them why they should get a, you know, get in on that. Yeah, sure. So at sportscardinvestor.com, we got a whole bunch of tools to help you out. If you're a sports card investor or collector, if you're looking to profit from sports cards, we've got the tools and the content to make that happen. And with our special deal that we have with Rotor Grinders, you get 20% off your first payment, whether a monthly or annual payment to our subscription. If you use promo co- code grinders when signing up for our memberships. Yeah, and later on in the show, you're going to be showing off some of the screen share and some of the tools you can be working with as well. Specifically, I believe, for a Lamar Jackson card, a Patrick Mahomes card, uh, the Tops Project 2020 as well. We'll be digging into that. Uh, batting third, Simon, you want to bet third? You, you got a good contact hitter? Sure. <laughs> Why not? What's good? Simon Edwards, uh, RG, uh, you know, of course, RG uh, Everyman, I guess. You're, you're all over the place. You're a producer. You're working with the sports cards. Today you're talking sports cards with us. Uh, is there an article you put out recently or one you're working on right now? Yeah, I did another article uh, comparing price action on PSA 9 versus PSA 10 cards. And uh, I looked at some NFL players this week just because the offseason, all the attention seems to be on NBA and whether or not there will be MLB this season. So I felt it was a good uh, time to start looking at some big names in the NFL. All right, battling cleanup, knocking everybody in. It's Josh Wasaki. Welcome back, Josh. Uh, tell everybody what you're going on as far as your articles. What What's out there? What's going to be out there? And I believe we're going to touch on it as well. You have a series you're working on as far as uh, the 2012 Prism class. Yep. Hey, Dean. Happy to be back talking cards. I started a Prism series this week on Roto-Grinders, um, just kind of analyzing uh, the 2012 Prism set. Uh, previewed a couple guys over the next couple weeks. We're going to add a couple guys every week and then move on to the following year and so on and so forth. All right. Topic number one, we're going to talk about breakers. Jeff, you tell me, I don't know what breakers are. I just kind of learned about it before the show. Uh, What are they? How do I participate when it comes to breakers? Breakers is one of the best things to happen to the hobby really in the last 10 years. The concept is that uh, you know, a lot of the, the boxes of, of product is, are pretty expensive, right? If you want to break a box of even something like Prism Basketball or Optic these days, it's fairly expensive. And if you want to get into the real high-end stuff like uh, Immaculate or National Treasures or that kind of stuff, uh, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to cost you a, a, maybe a second mortgage on your house. So 
uh, breakers have come along to help solve that problem. What they do is they will buy these boxes and then they essentially will split the boxes up and you essentially buy a share of the box. And then they're going to open the box live and you can get some of the cards from that box uh, depending on, on how you buy into it. There's different ways you can buy into it. You can buy in by the team. So for example, if you're, if you're a fan of a favorite team, you could just buy that team. And then a, whatever cards from that team, the breaker pulls out of the box they'll ship you those cards in particular. Of course, different teams have different prices yeah. depending on, you know, like right now in basketball, obviously the Pelicans are the most expensive because everybody wants Zion. Um, you could also buy in just randomly. You could buy in by random serial number. There's a bunch of different formats by division, so, you know, all kinds of different ways you can do it. And uh, you'll get any cards that happen to match, you know, whatever you bought into. So it's a way for you to get the excitement of being part of, of opening up a large box uh, but you're only having to pay for a fraction of it. Of course, you're only getting a fraction of the cards. Uh, but it's all done on YouTube streaming. Um, and there's a bunch of breakers that do this type of thing. And it's it's really a fun, entertaining way to become part of opening up boxes without having to uh, shell out all that cash. Is this something you do on your channel? Um, I do it for my members. Uh, not Not something I charge them for. Actually, as part of my membership program, I do a free card break live for my members every two weeks and I give them all the cards just as a bonus for the membership program. But I've never gotten into the commercial aspect of it, you know, where, where I'm actually breaking and selling slots in the break and everything like that. But there, there are hundreds and hundreds of breakers out there. Um, many of which do this, you know, full-time professionally have whole teams of people. I mean, this is big, big business. Um, and you know, thousands of boxes are being broken every night on YouTube live, uh, by these breakers uh, working in this fashion. Yeah, I was going to ask what a typical buy-in is as far as the price. And you mentioned, like, obviously, you know, who's your favorite team? Well, the Pelicans are my favorite team. They're my favorite team, too. Four, five, six, seven guys want the Pelicans. Is there a bid? Like, is there a bid up to see who claims the Pelicans? How does that work as far as who gets uh, delegated that team? There are So there are some breaks you can sometimes buy into on eBay, which will use the auction style. But most of the breakers, they will just set prices according to current market value. So if you were to buy into a break, you might pay $200 to get all of the Pelicans cards, whereas you'd only pay $30 to get all of the Atlanta Hawks cards, for example, if, if you know that, and that may not be quite right actually, because this year with Cam Reddish and with um, uh, DeAndre Hunter on the Hawks, you might actually pay a little more, but you know, a team that maybe doesn't have the interesting rookies, you could pay very little versus a team that has the interesting rookies, you're gonna be paying a lot more. Uh, Josh, I believe you participated in some of these contests here in, the, in buying into the breaks. Yep, I've I've dabbled for sure. That, like Jeff was saying, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Some guys charge per team. Um, some do just ten spots. You can pick a team, and then uh, your other two teams are just randomized. Um, a lot of times when that happens, like for this year, you can't pick the Pelicans, you can't pick the Grizzlies, Lakers, Mavs. You pick a different team, and then those top teams are just randomized. And you're just playing, everybody's paying the same, 10 guys are paying the same price. And you're trusting the randomization, I suppose. There's a lot of trust here, right? Because also yeah. these yeah. are done live and the cards have to be on, uh, on camera at all times. Yeah, it's used, uh, they use the website random.org usually. Um, it's all done on camera. Um, so there's no, it's all on the up and up. Wait, Ring they use? Is that like the doorbell company? No, random.org. Oh, random. I heard Ring for some reason. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't realize they branched out. Yeah. Good for them. And what is your experience? Have you been uh, successful? Have you like uh, you've enjoyed it for the uh, most part or hit and miss? I've gotten a couple nice cards, nothing huge, but I haven't bought into any like 
national treasures breaks or anything like that. Um, I've bought into ones where it's just one box of one product or guys do mixers where it's 10 boxes of a couple prism, a couple boxes of optic, a couple boxes of Donruss. Uh, so there's really, there's so many options, um, cheap and expensive um, for people, for people to uh, get into breaks. Jeff, can you speak to that, the potential cautions of getting involved in this? Unfortunately, I'm sure there's, with everything, uh, there's always a potential red flag, something might go on or it might be kind of shady. And how do you make sure, how do you assure you're buying into something legit? Well, there's a lot of companies out there that, are, that you know, that breaks is what they do full time. They've got a huge following. They literally do, you know, hundreds of boxes a week. They've been doing it for a long time. I have zero concern with the honesty or integrity of those companies. Um, and, and so just, just go find popular breakers. You know, uh, I, I broke in one that I like that I broke one with before is called Mojo Breaks. Um, in fact, they did a really fun break July 4th last year. I'm, I'm curious if they're going to do it again this year. It was an expensive one. It cost $500 to get into, but they had, um, they, they broke uh, 60 boxes of basketball cards from everywhere from tw- all the way back to 2014, all the way through to, tw- you know, 2019 or back then, I guess it was 2018 product. And um, they, uh, you got one, just one team, uh, random, totally random. So it's a, definitely a chance for, for 500 bucks. I got the Knicks, which was actually okay because you had like Kevin Knox and you had some other, you know, some other guys of some Mitchell Robinson. Um, and they broke 60 boxes that the break took over six hours. And so when you break it down from an entertainment value, my son and I literally sat there and watched this break happen. We watched about four hours of it before we paused it. And then we watched the other two hours later. Uh, but you know, six hours, got to, got to watch a, a, a break take place and cheer every time a Knicks player came on the screen. It was pretty fun. Uh, but I think as long as you use a big name company like them, or, you know, there's latent sports cards is a big one and top shelf breaks. And those guys have all been doing it for a while. And, and, you know, there, there's no funny business there. All right, Brent, I'm going to bring you in. We're going to talk about some NFL players, uh, 90 days until the start of the NFL season, more or less, give or take. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as targeting NFL cards right now? Sure. Yeah. I think using a tool like market movers is very important because, we're getting to the point where you really want to come up with your list of players and, and look at their price movement and their price relative to other players. Um, you know, quarterbacks are king at, at the moment, but if you look for a couple of position players you think might break out, uh, those are the types of guys I'm looking to buy now and sell after they have a hundred yard game or three touchdowns in a game. So, you know, I think you need to determine the list of players you're looking to target and then, you know, try to figure out if they're short or long-term holds and what's the best price to get in. I'm not much of an NFL guy myself. So I I dabble in that area pretty limitedly. However, I have been looking at some of the uh, historical greats because I believe they are a little bit undervalued. One guy in particular is Randy Moss. We've heard that there's going to be a documentary based around Tom Brady's time in New England. And one of those guys that has to be heavily featured is, is Randy Moss. And you've got the added benefit of him being a future Hall of Famer as it is. And so, you know, I think, you know, going for guys like that when everyone else is focusing on the guys that are going to be playing this season might actually be, um, you know, kind of a way to get an advantage and, and to get some good value. So I, I do think it's still a good time to hit guys you expect to have good, you know, good seasons this year. Uh, that being said, don't be afraid to go, you know, zig when others zag and, you know, start to look at 
some other avenues of, of making money. And, and one that I'm doing right now is, is picking up some Randy Moss at good prices. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy, knowing nothing. And you said you're not even a football guy, but that makes a ton of sense. And Jeff, we were talking about this pre-show. And while it's not been great necessarily uh, after the documentary, we were talking about all the hype around the Sosa McGuire documentary and how those uh, card values have spiked. Do you think uh, it's just projection here, but like, do you feel like this is a, you know, a, good, uh, a good thing to speculate on here as far as Moss and this uh, upcoming Brady documentary? Well, I mean, it, it certainly can be, but if you're buying the cards, you know, just for the purpose of, you know, uh, the hype and the lead up to the documentary, then be prepared to sell those cards uh, probably shortly before the documentary actually airs. And if you, I'll bring up the graph in, on Market Movers here. This is McGuire's uh, 1987 Topps baseball card in PSA 10. And the day the documentary was announced that they were going to do that Maguire Sosa documentary was right in here. So you can see there was an immediate spike where these cards that you could have bought for about $33, about $32, the days before they announced the documentary were suddenly going for $225. Um, and then they continued to rise up through the course of May to, the, to a high point of $420. Uh, but then they started to actually level off and even started to come down a little bit right before the documentary aired. And now that it has aired, they're all the way back down at $134 again. So way, still way more than they were back when they were like 30 bucks, uh, but certainly not nearly where they were at the peak. So if, if you're buying it for that purpose, sell, you know, buy now, sell prior to the documentary. But then again, Randy Moss is also a guy who, you know, simply holding on to him for the long term. He is a Hall of Famer. He's a media personality. Uh, which also helps, you know, I think that, for example, over in basketball, that that boosts the cards of Charles Barkley quite a bit over some of his contemporaries. Um, and so, so you know, I think he's a good hold regardless. Yeah, and we were also saying Moss's kid is in the league. And if Moss's kid is good, and who knows what's going to happen there, traded by Washington, I would, I would imagine it doesn't hurt uh, his cards. And we were talking pre-show about this, actually, as far as the documentary for Sosa McGuire. And for those, those that, that, that saw it, uh, and maybe it's unfair because, you know, generally speaking, the 30 for 30s are excellent. And I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine, but not spectacular, not the bar of 30 for 30s. And maybe people just found out, they're like, wait a second, McGuire, you steroids? What? Sell. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's what happened either. But uh, it wasn't a spectacular. It was good, but it wasn't spectacular. That was sort of my review on that. Uh, Simon, jump in here. I don't believe you've seen the documentary, but I know you have some, uh, some thoughts on this. Uh, I haven't seen the documentary yet. I, uh, I look forward to doing that. I remember that home run uh, chase. It was awesome. And the cards that I wanted to look at this week uh, with the NFL offseason and the attention like we were talking about being on NBA and MLB right now, I wanted to look at some of the bigger names in NFL, the big name quarterbacks, just to see what their prices were doing and see if there was an opportunity to finally get in on them. And if you look at the uh, Lamar Jackson uh, 2018 Prism card, uh, you can see that the trends between the PSA 9 and the PSA 10 are diverging a little bit. And that's what I want to look for right now uh, with, a, with a card that's on an upward trend like Lamar uh, Jackson's PSA 10. I want to try to see how I can get in on that, uh, kind of project some, some upside. And I look at the PSA 9, and you can see that the trend in PSA 9 is, is diverging from that PSA 10 a little bit. So it could be a good opportunity to... Uh, to get that uh, Lamar Prism card at a discount. Jeff, I believe we have a screen share set up for that to speak to what uh, Simon's talking about as far as the uh, Lamar Jackson Prism base uh, and the Patrick, Patrick Mahomes Prism Silver. Is that something you have pulled up right now? 
Yeah, so right now I've got the Lamar uh, Jackson pulled up and, and uh, you know, uh, Simon's absolutely correct that what you're seeing is the PSA 10, which is the top line on the screen up here, is going up and up and up. And this was a card that was $400 uh, a few months ago. This card is now as high as about $738. Whereas during that same period, the nine has been going up a little bit, but at a much slower pace. Much slower pace. So when, when um, the 10 was around $400, the nine was around $76. Now the, now the 10's around $738, the nine is, you can get the nine for as little as like $137. So the nine is still going up, uh, similar to how the 10's going up, but the 10 is accelerating at a quicker pace. And so as this gap, you can see on the graph, like the gap here wasn't as big a few months ago as the gap is now just expanding and expanding and expanding. And so as that gap continues to expand, what it often does is it often creates a buying opportunity for the PSA 9, like Simon said, because typically the PSA 9s will follow the pattern of the PSA 10, but there's a lag. So if you're in an environment where the PSA 10 is increasing, the PSA 9 is likely to increase as well, but it's going to be a little bit of a lag uh, before the PSA 9 starts to go up. Uh, news may change on this. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, but as of right now, uh, the MLB players, the MLB owners are at a, at a bit of a standstill. Uh, we saw Manfred basically say the commissioner talking about a week ago, 100% they're going to be playing. The players said, tell us where and when. And now Manfred said, I believe yesterday, essentially, I don't know if there's going to be a season. Uh, Josh, I'll open with you. What, what are your thoughts as far as this? I assume it's just not good for baseball cards in general. And is there a trickle-down effect where all of a sudden now, like some uh, eyeballs that weren't necessarily going to be on basketball or football, they're going to be looking at basketball, football, and like because of baseball you know, not having a season, would that help just the baseball and basketball cards in general? Or just, I'm just kind of make a, make a story. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, you would think if they don't play at all this season, so there's a whole year without baseball, you would think there'd be a dip, but how we've been, how long without sports and almost everything is going up. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. I would think prices would dip if there's no season at all. Um, but again, it, the market's so hot right now. It's it's there's a chance it couldn't. Overall, Brennan, you care to speculate? This is all I say: speculation. Yeah, this is this is all speculation. Um, I I look back at you know we talked about the documentary and they touched on it that until that home run race, the the Major League Baseball had kind of been hurting in the public's eye from their their lockout. Um, which was more self-imposed than this situation they find themselves in now. Um, that being said, if the public sentiment, you know, sours on baseball and, and people move towards football and basketball, um, you know, whether or not it's a, a massive noticeable dip or potentially just, you know, plateauing of prices, uh, I think for guys that will be relevant many years down the road, because um, we could be looking at baseball being hurt by, you know, some sort of lockout situation for more than just this season, possibly next season, the season after, who knows? It's all speculation. So if you're looking to get in on a dip, I would, I myself would be looking at guys I know will be relevant three, four or five years down the line, because to pick a guy that you were thinking would break out this year or who's a prospect who will now have to wait another year for MLB at bats, it could be a risky, uh, a risky proposition. So you know, I think going in with a plan and knowing that we don't know exactly how this is going to play out, um, I would be much more risk averse than normal. So I'm going with the Mike Trouts. I'm going with the guys that I know are big, that I know 
um, that three years from now will play a big part on a winning team. Yeah, Simon, I know you're speculating. You're saying this can't help a guy like I mean, 17 year old Jason Dominguez, right? Like, like you know, right. who knows what he's going to be in three, four years from now anyway. But, uh, you know, it should stunt his growth to some degree, I would imagine. Again, this is all speculation. They might sign a deal an hour after the show and whatever. But uh, your right. thoughts here. It's just an important uh, stage for a guy like that to be getting playing time uh, with with players who are at a higher level like he would be in the in the minors right now. And, you know, for him not to have to hit to have a potential two year gap in, in playing time in an important uh, time for development. It's just, it's just not good for him. And it's too bad too, because his cards were on fire for Bowman. So who knows what's going to happen to those cards. And uh, you know, there was a lot of, a uh, lot of hype surrounding him. And uh, now there's a lot of uncertainty. Just walking back to that documentary, just, I, I thought there was some irony as far as what's going on today and that documentary going down, because of course there was a lockout in 1994. The Expos had the greatest team in all of baseball. They of course lost their team eventually because the season was locked out and the Montreal just said, basically, screw you guys, <laughs> not going to be supporting this league anymore. It's more technical than that, but it took four years down the road for this McGuire and Sosa home run chase. And we all kind of sort of put those blinders on and pretend like we didn't realize the were going on because, Hey, we love the diggers. Uh, you know, let's get to 70 or so. I don't know if they lock them out this year. If they don't play this year, we're going to need, so we're going to need a trout and Acuna to chase for 80 or something four years down the road to get us back. Uh, Jeff, what, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, Again, pure speculation, obviously. Yeah, um, I I don't <laughs> I don't feel great about my baseball card holdings at the moment. That's how I feel about it. But of course, as an investor, um, the flip side is that if they do cancel the season, you're probably going to have a real buying opportunity a few months from now, right? Because I do think interest in baseball cards will wane. I do think prices will wane. Um, and they will eventually come back and interest will eventually come back. It may take a little while. Um, so, you know, for my current collection, I'm hope I'm seriously hoping they play, but for the prospect of being able to buy, you know, scoop up cards at a l- lower dollar amount, then, you know, I guess, uh, I guess we'll wait and see, and, and maybe there will be that opportunity a few months down the road. Yeah. How do you predict the floor? At what point do you say, okay, these cards have dropped so much now it's a great buying opportunity. And that's just, you know, it's the whole stock market aspect uh, of it as well. Uh, feel free to have thoughts on that, Jeff. We're going to move on to the, uh, the tops project 2020. Of course, you talked about this last week. Uh, I know you have a screen share. Uh, speaking of cards plummeting, Jeff, what's going on here with the tops of project 2020? Yeah. So I just called up five random cars from tops project 2020. These are all cards that were done by the Arctic artist, Blake Jameson, who actually, I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago. Great artist, really great guy. Uh, but you can see all five of the cards, follow the exact same pattern and it doesn't matter if I call up Blake Jameson's cards or any card from Topps Project 2020 it follows the exact same pattern you see on the screen which was it had this incredible run-up in prices that was taking place in early to mid-May all of these cards spiked right around May 26th and then they've all just come crashing 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 down Um, and we're talking like massive gains and losses and in fact if you look at this yellow line which is the Blake Jameson, Ricky Henderson card. I mean, this was a card that was as little as um, $27 uh, on May the 10th. Got all the way up to a peak of $721 a a couple of weeks later. Literally, it went from in the 20s to, you know, over $700 a couple of weeks later, and then it's come all the way crashing back down, and now it's around 50 bucks again. 
Um, so, I mean, talk about the amazing rise and fall of sports cards. This, this is the most extreme that I've ever seen. Uh, and hopefully it's the most extreme we'll ever see because this isn't good for the hobby. This is, this is really not good for anybody. Um, but, you know, part of this is going on right now. It's, it's, there's no sports. Um, so people, the cards, you know, that typically get the boost in market value because you got sports going on, that, that's not happening. So people are choosing other types of cards to speculate over. So this type of run up in price and this type of fall in price is obviously a little bit artificial, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's because people are chasing these things right now because they don't have other cards to chase. Um, you know, but despite this, there was a lot of money to be made. Of course, there was also a lot of money to be lost, but there was a lot of money to be made in this set. And uh, I still do feel like now that like Topps Project 2020 is a really cool set for the long run. Now that prices have come back down again to levels that they were at before they started their crazy run up. I think it's a, I think it's a great time to get into this set if you want, whether you're a collector or an investor. I think now we're seeing really reasonable prices again with Topps Project 2020. And I would be I would. My prediction is we will see a slow climb in prices over the course of t over the course of time with many of these cards. Pro hopefully, not the crazy unsustainable spike that we saw before, but hopefully, we'll see a, a slow climb and it will be good for uh, investors or collectors who start getting back in now. Yeah, it is interesting because a lot of these guys are players that don't play anymore. It's not it's not like Ricky Henderson had a bad week. Uh, Kyle Ripken did have a bad week. Ken Griffey Jr. Dwight Dwight Gooden. I think Kovacs is in there as well. So like these, their record is their record. Their baseball card is their baseball card, and uh, despite that, it's it's been plummeting. Uh, actually, just so, so people don't know or people are not aware, can you speak to what um, what this series is because it's really unique and it's a really different concept. And I believe there are only what twenty five, maybe twenty five percent in their run as far as pumping out what one or two cards per day. You could speak to this uh, better than I can, of course. Tell them what the uh, this series is. The top twenty, the top, the tops project twenty twenty. Yeah, so what Topps did is they hired 20 uh, artists who are very relevant modern artists in today's world, and they took 20 of their classic Topps baseball cards, and they had all 20 artists recreate all 20 cards. So when it's all said and done, at the end of this year, we'll have 400 total cards, 20 artists, 20 cards each. Um, and uh, the cards are really cool. Like here's like, if we look at some of Blake Jameson's, like here's his recreation of that famous Mark McGuire 1997 Topps rookie card. Um, you know, here's his recreation of um, Nolan Ryan's rookie card. So, I mean, these are really, you know, these are really nice looking cards. Ricky Henderson's really neat. Um, and, uh, you know, Don Mattingly. So they're cool cards, how the artists have done them. And it's really interesting to see each artist's kind of artistic spin on these cards. Um, each of these cards is available for sale through tops.com. The way that they're being released is on the tops website every day during the week, Monday through Friday, tops is putting out two new cards and they're going to continue this pattern uh, through December. So if you would, if you want to buy the cards directly from tops uh, for about 19 bucks each, you would go on their website every day and you would pick up the two cards that are released that, that day and you would continue this pattern and then by the time we get to the end of the year, you would have all of the cards that have been sold minus any that you missed over the last few months before you started buying them up. Of course, you can find all of those on eBay, but for some of them, you're going to have to pay elevated uh, secondary market prices. Yeah, it's my understanding is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, when the series first started, they weren't that popular. Maybe people weren't aware of it. You know, there wasn't as many people speculating. And then once it got some momentum, it got to a point where like everybody started buying them. And now we're at the point where these cards are starting to plummet. So going forward, 
what is the strategy as far as is that a good buying opportunity to buy the two cards that Tops is pumping out tomorrow? Or uh, again, pure speculation. What's your thoughts as far as going forward? The cards that get to be released. So many people are aware of it now that people who want to get it can go get it on Tops website, right? So I'm not super enthusiastic about the cards going forward, like suddenly having a giant appreciation in price, because I think the people who want to collect this at this point are aware of it. And they'll just go on Topps website and buy it for the 19 bucks. Um, I do think that there's value in some of the earlier cards, which have more limited print runs before people were, you know, really aware of this set. Um, I do think there's value in trying to create a complete set. That's kind of an interesting thing to do um, and maybe selling something as a complete set. But for the most part, I would buy these cards as a collector. I would buy these cards. I would not, I would probably not put my money here as an investor. Uh, and I did an episode a couple of weeks ago where I said that and received much hate mail. Uh, <laughs> but I said that when these prices were at their peaks and I was like, this is not sustainable and this is not where people should be investing. And sure enough, they've certainly crashed down to her since then. Um, and uh, my point back then was for the long run, I would rather have the original rookie cards rather than these artistic recreations. And of course, when, these, when a lot of these cards spiked, the artistic recreations surpassed the price of the original rookie card itself, which is one, which is, which was the point in time when I said, this is absolutely nuts. Um, and, and it, it has since corrected. So, um, I think if you're a collector and you want to buy these great, now's a good time to do it. If you're an investor, I think it's okay. Uh, but I, but personally, I would probably still park money in the original rookie cards rather than, um, you know, trying to buy the recreations. Yeah, I know we talked about this last week, but Josh, Simon, Brennan, if anybody wants to chime in and give another thought as far as this set, or we can move on. Um, I, I did uh, I did look at the Ichiro uh, Ben Baller card in my uh, in my article this week. Uh, I was looking for a point of uh, potential consolidation with the uh, with the price falling the way it is, and I was uh, going to ask Jeff, like, where where do you think if you look at the the chart here, where do you think a support level would be if we were thinking about this like a stock and we were looking for a good uh, good level of support or consolidation like where would we look for this to kind of uh, flatten the curve a bit yeah this one's a pretty dramatic chart it's on the screen now because as you can see this is one of those that really spiked uh, I mean it you know obviously it started at you know selling for as little as $30 on the secondary market it climbed all the way up to about the $800 level uh, back in the middle of May before you had this crazy spike that took it all the way up to about $4,000. And it has now come back down to the point where it's about $900. I think you're getting near that point of where this is going to plateau and then maybe start, maybe may start to rise again a little bit over time. And the only reason why I say that is this card had a print run of only 1,334. That is a very low print run, and that is much lower than most of the other Topps Project 2020 cards and any of the cards coming out today on Topps Project 2020 because the print run is dictated by how many people order that card on Topps website over a 48-hour period. They, they print to demand. So, you know, recent cards have been all in the 10,000s. This one was 1,334. So this card has some interesting value in the fact that if you're trying to create a complete set, then there's only 1,334 opportunities to do that. And so you got to get one of those 1,334 if you're going to create a complete set. So I think there is some value in it. 
uh, for sure. Um, you know, is it is it $900 worth of value, which is where they currently sit? Or is it going to come down a little bit more from there? I'm not totally sure, but I think we're getting near the point where if you're looking to get in on this card, it, it's somewhat reasonable to do so. Uh, the Bowman Mega Boxes, they've been selling well the first couple of weeks. Josh, is this something you can speak on? The uh, Bowman Baseball? Yeah, is, is this uh, is this kind of your area? Is this your wheelhouse or um, I think, somebody else? Actually, I think Simon has bought some of these. Simon, what do you have for me? Yeah, I mean, with retail, the Bowman Blasters, they did well in the first uh, couple weeks they were available. Uh, you could probably sell them, buy a blaster at a retail and then sell it for twice the price. And then those came uh, down in the past week or so. So that's like you buy it for 20, you can sell it for probably like 27. Uh, whereas the uh, the mega boxes came out a couple weeks ago and those are still pretty strong. Uh, they are selling for $20 retail. I think you can only get them at Target and you can still uh, flip them for about twice that cost so there seems to be you know like some good uh collectible value still with those uh those bowman 2020 megas um i i guess the they, they have less cards in them than the blasters so i'm i don't know a whole lot about the uh the box comparisons but i'm guessing there's a lot more uh opportunity to get collectible and valuable cards in those uh in those mega boxes does anybody else have anything but, else to add as far as oh good simon i don't mean to cut you off oh i, I was gonna say but i think you know, like if you're if you're looking at the um, you know the value of those mega boxes on the secondary market, I think that kind of illustrates that baseball hasn't taken a huge hit overall, apart from uh, the Topps uh, Project 2020 uh, with the with the MLB news yet. But um, I'm interested in seeing how that uh, uh, how that goes moving forward. Anyone have anything to add as far as the Bowman mega boxes, or is that good enough? And shall we move on? We are moving on. Uh, this is your time to shine, Brennan. Uh, you want to talk about your recent market, market cap analysis. We already kind of teased it earlier. Uh, LeBron versus Luca. What'd you find? Yeah. So the whole reason why I started out, uh, looking at market cap for individual players and cards is it gives us a better idea of a better way to va- see how the market values one compared to the other. And, and one of the ones I thought was most important to do early on was Luca versus LeBron. LeBron, um, being other than, you know, someone maybe like Jordan being the benchmark of the industry. If you're looking to park your money in a, in an established asset, LeBron is the guy that you want. Whereas Luca's the guy we all think will be that guy in several years, but we don't quite know yet. So I was curious to see, uh, what Luca's market cap looked like next to LeBron's and, and what I found was um, that that the the one part of the modern cards that makes this a very uh, interesting analysis is the increase of parallels. So I believe Luca had almost, if not over, thirty parallels just in the prism product prism product alone, whereas LeBron, I think, for his tops Chrome had three. So what this has done is it spread out the market cap across different cards and it allows investors and collectors to get in at different levels. Um, I don't want to ruin all of the analysis because there's a lot of good stuff in there, but what I found was we are baking in, you know, about 30, maybe 40% of LeBron's value into Luca's market cap right now, which means we, you know, have some room to grow if Luca delivers on the hype. That being said, if Luca turns out not to be anywhere close to LeBron, like we think he will be at the end of his career, maybe we've hit the max. So there's room to grow, but 
one thing you'll have to, you know, we have to realize about the card market, and this is the same with the stock market as well. It's forward looking. Uh, Luca hasn't achieved 30 or 40% of what LeBron's achieved in his career yet. He still has to deliver on that. That being said, based on the first few years of his career, we expect that to happen with how good he's been. So I walked away from it thinking that Luca is not overvalued. However, if there's a major shift in his, you know, trajectory, we could see his market cap adjust, or if he continues to deliver, he could close the gap on LeBron. And I think that's what you'd expect to see as Luca's career um, moves on. LeBron's market cap is going to go up with the market, but there's not much more he can do to really um, seismically shift his market cap other than, of course, win a championship LA. That's his, his one last thing that he can do um, to take himself up another notch. So uh, I'd encourage you guys to read the article. There's a lot of data in there. So even looking at the tables for a few minutes to try to gather what it means. Um, but the punchline is I think that it's a good thing uh, that we have all of these parallels because it now gives me and others a chance to get in without paying $10,000 uh, to get a PSA 10 base rookie for LeBron. Luca's got so many parallels that, you know, we can get in at a pretty reasonable price, no matter what our budget looks like. Uh, so it was a really fun analysis uh, to do. And I, I kind of walked away from it feeling a little bit better about modern prices because I was afraid we might be overvaluing these young guys. However, I think we're being pretty realistic, especially with a guy like Luca, who has a great career ahead of him. Uh, your thoughts here, Jeff, as far as Luca in general, or his cards overvalued? Are you bullish? Are you bearish? You're somewhere in the middle. Well, I think. Well, first of all, I think it's a great analysis by by Brennan. So uh, certainly, kudos for that. What's interesting is, you know, I would I would love to see that analysis with like, for example, Giannis's rookie cards, because what I believe uh, is that back in in LeBron's rookie year in two thousand and three. Uh, there was there was a fair number of cards printed. Tops was printing you know pretty high volumes of cards, and you still had some other players in the market as well, uh, some other brands in the market as well at that time. Now in 2018, we're talking about Luca. Uh, there, the Panini was printing a lot of different sets, a lot of different types of cards, and everything like that. I think in 2013, 2012, 2013, when um, Panini got the exclusive over NBA uh, and first came out with its Prism set, that there was just a lot less cards printed in general. So I think what might actually be interesting is if you, you might actually find LeBron's up here and Luca's up here. Well, I guess Luca's kind of here, but then I think you might find this soft spot with guys like Kawhi and Giannis and some of those guys. So I don't know, maybe that can be Brennan's next challenge to um, <laughs> uncover, uncover that for us. Sure. Um, Anthony Davis, another one, right. From that, from that, from those years. Um, but, um, but in terms of Luca, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty positive on the guy for the long run, for sure. Um, it is obviously a riskier investment than it is with LeBron, but it's also an investment that that has years of potential upside. So, yeah, I like Luca. I, I own uh, a fair amount, not as much as I used to, because I, I did sell some of it off a few months ago when he really started to peak. Um, although he has gone up a little more since then. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe I sold out a little early. You know, time will tell. Brennan, you've been tasked your next several articles. I hope you're prepared. <laughs> Uh, All right. and, and of course, check it out on rotorgrinders.com if you want to read the article I pulled up in front of me. And it's a lot of stuff to dig into. Obviously, we can't break it all down here on the show. Speaking of articles, uh, Josh, you wanted to talk about, you wanted to preview uh, this PRISM class from 2012. And I believe you're going to be continuing on through, depending on the year. Yeah, it, it really depends on the year and how many guys of value are in that particular uh, draft class or set. Um, 2012 is unique because there were no cars in 2011. So, 
the 2012 set combines a draft class from 2011, 2012. So you have guys like Kyrie, Kawhi, but also AD, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, guys like that. Um, so my first article just touched on uh, AD, Kawhi, and LeBron because it's LeBron's first prism card. Um, so we'll probably have a couple more weeks of this set just because there are so many, so many guys in it. Um, like I said, Kawhi, I'll touch on Clay Thompson. Um, again, Lillard, Beal, guys like that. Um, just going over pop reports. Um, and like Brennan uh, was saying, 2012 had very few parallels. It was just base, silvers, and golds. Um, you know, they really started to, to up up uh, ramp up the production of parallels after 2012. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting data uh, to look at. Have you taken a peek at a 2013, what you're going to be working with? Because I pulled up the, the old Wikipedia, the 2013 NBA draft, and it's it's pretty rough. Uh, Anthony Bennett was the number one pick. Uh, All Depot, yeah. number two, pretty solid, obviously. But then uh, Porter, Zeller, Zen, Erwin's Noel. Well, that's, that's Giannis. So, yeah, Giannis um, is 15th overall. He was a steal, obviously. And then um, Robert at 27, and you got McCollum, I guess, at 10. And it's about yeah. it, basically. It's basically Giannis. Giannis and Gobert. Pretty much. There you go. Uh, uh, Oladipo, I would think Oladipo would be more popular, but um, he's had some injuries, so maybe he. I don't know where he. It feels like he's sort of at a at a, a stalemate in his career. Uh, maybe at fork yeah. of the road, however you want to say it. We'll see how he comes out of his injury. He wasn't having one of his best years, obviously, but maybe he'll re- recover going forward. Um, all right, let's. We're going to be wrapping up. Uh, of course, we want you guys to like and subscribe. We do much appreciate that. We're starting our new gimmick uh, next week. We're going to. Even have pictures, I believe. We'll promise pictures. But uh, today, uh, mail day. Uh, who wants to show off what they had first? Simon, what, what did you get in the mail? Uh, what kind of cards did you have? Um. Well, I uh, I did some high rolling this week. Uh, I got uh, Dak Prescott's uh, Prism Ooh. rookie card. Uh, PSA ten on that one. And I what did that go for? What that cost you? Uh, that was like uh, less than three fifty. I'd been waiting for it to uh, to drop to that price range for a little while. Um, I tried buying it, you know, like a couple, few weeks ago, and uh, and then it started going up over four hundred, and that was too much for my taste. And then when it came back down, I decided to pick it up. Like Dak Prescott, right now with the what he's set up for this season, I just think it's a good deal. Like if you can get that rookie card, a PSA ten under three fifty, I think you're in you're in a good range there. Brandon, what do you have uh, for us? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Simon. You have more than one. Oh, I okay. apologize. <laughs> the other card was the uh, the Zion uh, base card, PSA 10. And uh, I bought that one, I think, for like uh, $4.90. I was waiting for that one to uh, to fall to, and uh, it came in the in the price. I think Jeff, uh, Jeff may have recommended it recently, too. Jeff, confirmed tonight. Yeah, no, I have. It's it's a odd pattern with Zion where his cards have been have been going down quite steadily over the last couple of months, while most basketball cards have been going up quite steadily. So um, a little bit of that is a, is a necessary price correction because for a while Zion's cards were way, in my opinion, way too high when they started sailing way past guys like Luca. I, you know, I was kind of like, okay, wait a minute here. You know, it's, it's, uh, this guy has great potential, but is, should he really be significantly more than a guy like Luca? Um, but his, uh, his cards have now self-corrected. Luca has passed him in terms of pricing. He's definitely come back down. 
Um, and so I actually now think if you want to get into Zion, it's, it's becoming certainly a reasonable time to do it. What do you have to show off for us, Jeff? Tell us, uh, you know, what you got in the mail for us. Also tell us anything you have going on at the SCI, any promotions you have, where people can find you on Twitter, on YouTube, all that good stuff. Sure. Well, first of all, we were just talking about Giannis, uh, you know, the star of the 2013 rookie class. So I picked up one of his select silvers. Select is a, is a set that um, I, I like quite a bit. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of an under the radar set compared to like a prism or an optic. It's only available in hobby stores. It's not available in um, uh, retail, which is part of the reason why not as many people know about select or collect it. Um, but it's a set that I like a lot. And that's his silver, which is a pretty rare card. Uh, from that year. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the value of that card and what that will look like going forward. Um, and uh, in terms of Sports Card Investor, we certainly welcome everybody to follow us on YouTube at Sports Card Investor, on Instagram at Sports Card Investor as well. Check, it our, check out our sportscardinvestor.com website. And certainly while you're on the sportscardinvestor.com website, check out the membership program and the access to the Market Movers data tool, which you've seen a bit during this episode. Uh, and if you use promo code GRINDERS, you get 20% off your first payment, whether that's a monthly or an annual payment for access. All right, Josh, what do you have for me? And, of course, tell them where your uh, tease where your article is going to be at Rotor Grinders. Tell them where to find you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Yep. So I, I got two things to show you. So here's here's my mail day. It's a bunch <laughs> of packages I've been saving up for a couple of weeks for YouTube content. But uh, this is a card uh, that's in my PC. Uh, Tiger Woods rookie. Jeff has talked about this card before. Um, I bought this a couple months ago when it was like, I think I got this for $20 on eBay. I think they sell for the nine back at nine, five sell for like a hundred maybe now. Um, I'm keeping it, but, uh, it was a, a, a good purchase for sure. Um, and yeah, article every once a week, uh, on Roto Grinders. Again, like I said, we're going to touch on more players from the 2012, uh, prism set, um, and, uh, anybody can find me on Twitter, Saki21, uh, Instagram, uh, Saki Collects. Brennan, give me what you got. Yep. So I too am, a, as you guys already know, a huge fan of Select. I've got a Bam out of Bio uh, Premier Level uh, uh, Scope Parallel, and there's a couple of reasons why I really like this card. One, the Scope Parallel is actually more rare from a PSA perspective than the silvers, however, trades at or significantly below the silver prices. So you're getting a more rare card that looks pretty slick um, that is is at a lower price. I also love this because BAM, I believe, does not have a concourse, which is the most uh, uh, most plentiful rookie in the select series. And I also don't think he has a court side. So his select population already, because they didn't choose to print him in all three levels, is already small. And so, you know, I picked up a BAM and that's one thing to look at is different things like that. Jonathan Isaac is another guy that only has a court side in his rookie year, 2017. So something to consider. Um, you can find me, uh, my work at rotogrinders.com. I'm averaging market cap analysis once about every two weeks. It's pretty difficult to gather all that data at the moment. It'd be impossible without market movers. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter at the DFS advisor, uh, same handle on Instagram as well. Awesome. Much appreciate your time, everybody. Uh, that was Brennan, Simon, Josh, and Jeff. I was Dean. This was Sports Card Grinders. Feel free to like and subscribe. Leave all the comments in the comment section. Much appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here.